This isn't going to be an overly deep or overly serious episode or anything. I just wanted an excuse to talk about some happy things while living life under quarantine. So, welcome to Filmy Girls Idolcast. Hit it! Today was Smack and Kubota Toshinobu singing La 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 Love Song live on the legendary program Smap Smap on October 5th, 2010. And maybe you have to be a Johnny's fan or a Smap fan in particular, but there remains something so charming about their shambling live Smap Smap performances. And I may have told the story before, but I remember hearing an anecdote from a staffer on Music Station saying how impressed he was watching late period SMAP on the rehearsal run-throughs. These men were such experienced idols at this point that they would just show up, run through the choreography once, and then perform it live with no mistakes. The reason I picked La 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 Love Song to play for you isn't just because it both slaps and is an essential part of the J-pop canon, but because it was the theme song to 1996 drama Long Vacation. Long Vacation, which starred SMAP's Kimuro Takia as the handsome young Sena Hidetoshi, a music teacher slash aspiring pianist who wakes up one day to find out-of-work model Hayama Minami on his doorstep looking for her fiancé, Sena's former roommate, who rudely ditched her at the altar. Sena is a perfectionist. Minami is a mess. And yet somehow, over 11 episodes, the two fall in love. And Japan fell in love with Kimura Takuya. Almost 40% of the public tuned in for the finale. The drama was so popular that it spurred a mini-boom in men signing up for piano lessons, and Sena's piece, Minami, played with great emotion in the dramatic finale, is still a crowd-pleasing choice for Japanese pianists. Here's Koadi from the performance group Nada, covering the song in 2016. Long Vacation is a drama starring an idol, but is it an idol drama? Well, before I get into the weeds, let's rewind a little and start with this question. What is a drama? 
With K-dramas on Netflix now, it may seem a little basic to start here, but I think it's worth it. In East Asia, instead of the multi-season scripted shows running years that we're used to here in America, CSI, Grey's Anatomy, House of Cards, Asian television programming is filled with short, limited-run scripted shows called dramas. And dramas differ country by country, but in general, you're looking at anywhere from about 10 to 50 episodes running anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour each. The stories can be about anything. Serial mysteries solved by a wacky detective, deep psychological pain slowly unpacked over the course of the show, slice-of-life family problems, light romance, tragic romance, Korea's favorite love square, futuristic cityscapes or ancient historical backgrounds. There's something for everybody. And hey, if nothing catches your fancy this season, the entire lineup will refresh itself in a few months. have opening themes, closing themes, as well as songs packing out the soundtracks, which is a factor I've mentioned before in the healthiness of the mid-tier of the music industry in places like Japan. People may not be buying as many CDs as before, but your band will still have multiple chances to land a theme song for a drama every year, and a hit drama will inevitably boost the band playing the theme song too, or vice versa as I suspect a big part of the success of 2016's Nigeru wa Hachita ga Yakuni Tatsu was rooted in the earwarming appeal of Hoshino Gen's Koi, undoubtedly one of the biggest, if not the biggest hit of the year. <laughs> single out idol dramas. Well, this isn't like an exact science or anything, but for me, an idol drama is one that stars at least one idol and has some larger than life glamour to it. Of course, idols appear in non-idol dramas all the time. One of my favorite dramas is 2012 Strawberry Night, Strawberry Naito, the story of a female detective struggling with PTSD from an assault while also being a badass police detective. And that drama had Kanjani 8's Mariyama Ryuhei in the cast. But I wouldn't call it an idol drama because, well, it's not about him, but also the drama does not lean into his idol image. He's playing a character. 
and some dramas do kind of skirt the border though. Um, Arashi's Ninomiya was in a wonderful family drama called Fritter Ie o Kao, and Arashi did do the theme song, the haunting Hatanai Soda or Endless Sky. But even though Arashi and Ninomiya figured heavily in the promotions, I wouldn't consider it an idol drama the way I would something like 2018's medical drama, Black Teen, Burakupin, which leaned very heavily into Ninomiya's own idol charisma to shape his leading role as the surgical genius of the university hospital. Idol dramas can tackle serious subjects too. I've never considered the idol drama label an insult, although some do. But to me, channeling idol charisma into a role is a different skill set than naturalistic acting. But it is a skill set, and it's one that I consider both valuable and very enjoyable to watch. And of course, there are some idols who can do both, like Arashi's Minamiya, who also starred in Clint Eastwood's 2006 Oscar-nominated film, Letters from Iwo Jima. Sometimes dramas don't need to star an idol to become idol dramas. Dramas can spawn idol groups. One of the first dramas I watched was the 2001 Taiwanese drama Meteor Garden, a low-budget adaptation of the classic manga Boys Over Flowers. The story of an emotionally constipated rich boy played by Jerry Ann, who pals around with a group of equally problematic rich guys nicknamed the F4 or the Flower Four because of how handsome they are. Jerry Ann falls in love with a spunky poor girl from the wrong side of the tracks played by Barbie Tsu, who is the first person to really fight back against his bullying, and he finds her irresistible. The drama appeared to mostly be filmed in empty mid-budget hotel conference rooms and a school shut for vacation, but my god, the melodrama was top class. And the chemistry between both the lead couple and between the guys in the F4 was like lightning in a bottle. Meteor Garden was such a hit that the F4 became idol group F4, aka f who actually managed to outlive the drama hysteria and were active until the late 2000s. F4 are kind of the epitome of a group chosen for their looks and chemistry rather than any kind of musical or dance talent, but chemistry and charm can take you a long way in the boy group world, and their MVs are a delightful romp through the early 2000s Taiwanese boy group aesthetic, which involves a lot of soft focus shots combined with an enthusiastic use of video effects.
The Japanese adaptation of Boys Over Flowers was 2005's Hanayori Dango, starring Arashi's Matsumoto Jun, and it was also a blockbuster idol drama. Arashi was, at the time, a minor group, not much known by the general public, but the unexpected success of Hanayori Dango catapulted both Matsumoto and Arashi into the public consciousness, and for years afterwards, Arashi fans, myself included, would speak of being Jun-baited, brought into the Arashi fandom by Matsumoto Jun and his compelling portrayal of tender-hearted, loud-mouthed domiyoji. The Japanese version also spawned something of a mini-unit of a Japanese F4, and they appeared together in idol magazines, and even now, 15 years later, the actors who made up the F4 are still linked together and with F4 in the media, and in fans' hearts, too. When actor Matsuda Shota, who played tea house heir Nishikaido Sojiro, posted a picture of himself lounging in a fancy hotel in Milan holding a bouquet of flowers this year, he looks like the real F4, yelled basically every headline in the entertainment press. I can't emphasize enough that Hanayori Dango aired 15 years ago. That is a long cultural memory for a drama initially seen as a throwaway girls culture prize. Hanayori Dango lives on, and the theme song to the film, 2008's One Love, also by Arashi, remains something of a Japanese wedding staple, and a song that I would guess is known by probably every single person in Japan. So 2005 in Japan also brought us Yamashita Tomohisa, then of News, and Kaminashi Kazuya of Cartoon in the high school drama Nobuta o Produce, in which the duo played unlikely friends who joined together across the popularity divide to help out the new girl in school. Not only was it a hit drama, but the theme song, the deeply romantic Seishun Amigo, sung by Yamashita and Kamenashi, was a super hit, and one that still regularly ranks in on lists of the best male karaoke duets. Oh, 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 oh,
Yamasa and Kamenashi were boosted into the general public's attention with Nobuta, and Yamashita followed this up with another hit idol drama, 2006 iconic Kurosagi, where he played a super cool con artist with carefully sculpted bangs who preys only on other con artists. <laughs> and he also sang the theme song for that one, the vaguely Latin Daite Senorita, another hit. Daite,大いて、大いて、大いて、大いて、大いて、大いて、大いて、大いて、大いて、大いて、大いて、大いて、大いて、大いて、大いて、大いて、大いて、大いて、大いて、大いて、大いて、大いて、大いて、大いて、
we have Sexy Zone's Nakajima Kento and King and Prince's Hirano Show co-starring together in Midnight Runner. And the two have been featured delightfully on, you know, magazine covers everywhere. And I'm very much looking forward to it. So after the bromance slash best friend genre, my favorite thing is when idol dramas gather chaotic numbers of young idols and talents and just set them loose in kind of a Lord of the Flies, may the best man rise to the top, no holds barred contest for screen time. There's 2003's Stand Up, about four horny teen boys starring Arashi's Nidomiya, along with the aforementioned Yamashita, and a pre-F4 Ogurishon, along with Tsukamoto Takeshi, who you might know from the movie Battle Royale, and just a pile of other actors who went on to become familiar faces. Water Boys, also 2003, was a sports drama designed as an excuse for male bonding in swimsuits. There was the Gokusen series where rowdy students, played by like every available Johnny's Jr., are taught life lessons by the tough but soft-hearted teacher who just so happens to be the daughter of a mafia leader. Um, and then there's high school dramas like Shiritsu Bakareya Koko, in which a horde of Johnny's juniors playing juvenile delinquents learns life lessons. And 2013's Bad Boys J, starring Sexy Zone's Nakajima Kento, as a naive and earnest teen who stumbles into Hiroshima's seedy gang life. But it's all done in like shoujo manga style, so it's full of glitter and flashy clothes, and there's an excellent subplot involving the homoerotically charged friendship between Nakajima's character and the character played by Snowman's Iwamoto, who I honestly consider to be one of the best actors in Johnny's, so Takizawa, if you're listening, more acting most. Korea isn't quite as keen on the high camp 8 million young troublemakers in one drama genre, and my impression is you're more likely to find a reverse harem drama, like GOT7 Stream Night, or EXO Next Door, or Astro's To Be Continued, than something like Bad Boys J, where male-male friendships were the primary relationships. Korea 
did try literal Flower Boy series, the best of which is Shut Up Flower Boy Band, which did have at least one actual idol, L from Infinite, but even the Korean version of Boys Over Flowers, which did have a real idol in it, Kim Hyung Joon from S 501 didn't hit the same. The Korean F4 just didn't have the same impact as a group as Meteor Garden or the Japanese Hanayori Dangle. And while the drama got great ratings, both the filming and its legacy are troubled um, for at least one of the incidents I've discussed in the previous um, episode. did gift the world 2009's You're Beautiful about a young nun who has to join a male idol group disguised as her own twin brother and which starred members of FT Island, CN Blue, as well as the multi-talented Jang Gun Suk, who had a brief moment of supernova fame as a talent who could act, sing, and stir the hearts of women of all ages. The fake idol group in the drama, A.N.Gel, was popular enough to have a brief run of their own, but again it was more of a reverse harem style drama than a male bonding story, and Jang Gung Suk, well, let's just say um, I still listen to the OST to the troubled, very troubled married stayed out all night, but uh, yeah, he is not. Uh, in the conversation like he used to be. There was the excellent Dream High, about a band of misfit aspiring idols, which starred 2PM's Taesyeon and Woo Young, as well as a brand new singer named IU. But Dream High, in a very K-drama fashion, was more of a love triangle, or love square, than a bromance. But I would be remiss if I didn't give a shout out to 2016 period drama Hwarang, which while not popular at the time, and which did get a lot of, you know, shit from critics and audiences for plotting decisions, among other things. Um, you know, it was a solid entry into the male idol drama genre. But this being Korea, despite having an NCT number of flowering knights in their dashing hanboks and top knots and riding around on horses, to include Chinese Choi Min-ho and BTS's Kim Tae-hyung, who even sang on the OST with his bandmate Jin. The male bonding in the series was mostly implied when it happened off screen, and the romantic potential that we all knew was there was left mostly unfulfilled. <laughs> You. 
in true Idolcast fashion, hello my friends, I only get around to talking about what I really want to talk about after setting you up with like six pages of context. What I mean to say is that I am currently working my way through my second watch of the mainland Chinese drama, The Untamed, available on Netflix. And I am here to say that it is the real deal, a super hit, a genuinely good and engaging drama packed with great acting, great storytelling, and a pair of gorgeous leading men with incredible chemistry. If you'll allow me one more digression. In 2007, there was a serious, very serious period drama based on the true story set during the Japanese Civil War, the period right before the Tom Cruise film Last Samurai, if that helps place it for you. And this drama has mostly just been whitewashed out of memory. It was called Byakotai, and it starred Yamashita, who we talked about earlier, as well as Kiss My Foot 2's Fujigaya Taisuke, who actually got his start in the Japanese version of that 2009 um, You're Beautiful. In, uh, he was in the Japanese version of A. Angel. And then there's cartoons Tanaka Koki, who I've <laughs> also discussed in previous episodes. Anyway, so the three of them star as teen samurais who are part of a unit that gets separated from the main battle. And when they look back and see what appears to be, you know, their castle, like, on fire burning, they all tragically commit um, seppuku, ritual suicide, thinking that they've failed and their families have been killed by imperial forces. Turns out the castle wasn't on fire, uh, their families were fine. But something about that tragic teen, single-minded devotion to duty and to lord and master struck a chord in the Japanese spirit, and the story has lived on in popular legend, inspiring not just multiple filmed versions, including the 2007 drama, but some pretty intense Inca songs as well. It's not that the three Johnny's idols are necessarily bad actors, but there was a mismatch between the sincere, simple tone of the drama and the characters and the melodramatic idol-style acting that the leads uh, were capable of, that it just kind of grates like Parmesan. So enter The Untamed. The series is based on a popular boys' love novel with the explicit boys' love elements removed for broadcast on television. The result is that pure, uncut bromance with homoeroticism simmering underneath in longing glances and key deployment of metaphorical swords and mm, jugs of wine. The Untamed captures that melodramatic, tragic teen warrior sacrifice for the greater good and for, and for family and for duty with intense male friendship and love. And it does it all with an amazing script and really thoughtful plotting and character development, an excellent supporting cast, beautiful scenery, beautiful production, um, but the real, 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 real 
um, heart of this incredible drama are the two leads, Xiao Zan as Wei Wuxian and Wang Yibo as Lan Wanji. And please excuse my horrible Chinese pronunciation of these names. I really do apologize. So Xiao Zan, who's now 28, was a member of X9, fandom name Dimples, a Chinese, mainland Chinese idol group who were formed out of a reality show called X-Fire and who debuted as a unit in 2016. And they were active through about like 2017-2018. So he was the main vocal, visual, and a good 10 years older than the youngest member of the group and appears to have had something of a sweet, artsy, big brother image in the fandom. He loves cats and drawing. Um, and I'm not very well versed in mainland Chinese idols because there isn't much out there for export and I do not speak Chinese. Um, but just from some brief research, the group appears to have been, you know, successful enough during their brief run in the idol circuit, with Zhao Zan breaking out as an actor in 2018 with Oh My Emperor, which of course I now must watch, um, and he even contributed a song to the OST. So he's got a bright smile, and just from what clips I've seen in X9, he seems to have a warm personality, and he infuses both into the character of Wei Wuxian. So Wang Yibo, now 22, is a member of the Chinese-Korean boy group Unique, and of name Unicorns, who were formed by the Chinese entertainment company uh, Weiha, um, which appears to have ties to Korean entertainment company Starship. So again, Unique appear to have been an active group from 2014 through about 2017, um, and although they are still technically under contract until 2022, it looks like the group is essentially on hiatus, with one member even joining the short-lived but well-loved group X1 last year. So Yibo is a rapper, visual, and makne of Unique, um, the baby of the group. And he seems to be something of an adrenaline junkie, and he loves uh, skateboarding. Hanging out around the town with the bad boy crowd. Going by the mall staircase where we're not allowed. Kicking flips, popping wheelies. When we're feeling bored. Only tough guys know how to ride the hot rod skateboard. Skateboarding and can often be spotted in Thrasher magazine gear, which is adorable, and he loves riding motorcycles. And he's also a fantastic dancer, which translated really well to the character of Lan Wan Chi, the taciturn but elegant second son of the aesthetic Lan Clan. And I have a theory that dancers make the best idol actors because they're used to thinking with their whole bodies and tend to have very emotive body language when they act. Saying a lot with a few words is Lan Wanji as a character, so I think Yibo is very well cast. So The Untamed is set in a mythical Chinese past where cultivators with both sword skills and supernatural abilities roam the countryside fighting monsters and putting spirits to rest. Wei Wuxian is the adopted son of the Zhang clan, who live in Lotus Pier, 
a beautiful compound depicted in lush greens and purples. And Wei Wuxian is high-spirited, impulsive, but with a firm sense of right and wrong. And like the best of your teen bad boys with hearts of gold, Wei Wuxian follows his own strong moral code. He's not bound by the rules of society, and in the first few episodes we see him meet and form a teasing acquaintanceship with the Lan clan's Lang Wanji, a seemingly cold young man who believes following the rules is important because the rules are there to keep you from uh, heading down the wrong path. And these scenes are all shot in the uh, Lang clan's cloud recesses, which is just beautiful mountaintop scenery, also green, just green, green everywhere. So the teen cultivators, Wei Wuxian and Lan Wanqi, find themselves swept up into an inter-clan war well beyond their control. And the fallout has tragic consequences as Wei Wuxian, experiencing some pretty brutal PTSD, is singled out as a scapegoat by a society looking for someone to take the fall for their guilty consciences. And the one man who stands by him, even as Wei Wuxian tries to push him away in a fit of self-destruction, is Lan Wanqi, who had to take his own journey, discovering that following the rules isn't always the moral choice. So Wei Wuxian dies tragically, which is not a spoiler because it literally happens in like the first minutes of the first episode. And he's brought back 16 years later for mysterious reasons. And that's where the show begins. Um, and then a couple episodes in, it flashes back to the early years. You get that whole arc that I just talked about. And then it picks back up with the 16 years later plot, 33 episodes into the 50 episode series. And it's just that last little run of episodes where the romantic undertones become less, uh, I love you bro, and more, I'm gonna marry you bro. And even if the censors wouldn't let them say it out loud, the untamed does what all great melodrama does and lets the viewer experience catharsis as characters we care deeply about march to their tragic fates. And then the untamed does it one better and gives you that last little tag of happy ending. So you get both. It's really, uh, you know, two for one. And much like a story like Lord of the Rings, the added fantasy elements heighten the stakes and add an extra layer of metaphor. So it's not just that your family may be slaughtered, but your family may be slaughtered and their spirits may linger as quote-unquote resentful energy, causing even more grief to those left behind. The cultivator who experiences a deeply psychologically upsetting event doesn't just end up with PTSD. He or she may return with physical damage to his or her golden core that powers a cultivator's spiritual energy. So throughout 50 episodes, we watch Wei Wuxian and Lang Wanji grow from confused teenagers to fully formed adults, and we see their bond deepen as they learn to trust and respect each other, and it's absolutely wonderful. So two scenes in particular stick in my mind. There's this banquet hosted by the odious Jin clan, wealthy and decadent. And one of the cousins has a real loud mouth and cruel personality, and so under the guise of like quote-unquote inter-clan bonding, he begins bullying Lan Wanji to drink a cup of wine with him, knowing full well that the Lans do not drink. So, Lan Wanji, stoic as ever, refuses to even acknowledge him. But the Jin cousin is not about to back down, and the atmosphere is so tense. And then, 
then like the doors to the banquet hall just like go flying open and like in comes Wei Wuxian just like this ball of rage all the pent-up anger against society of like a James Dean and rebel without a cause and the camera just zooms in on Lum Wenji's wide-eyed expression as Wei Wuxian just takes a cup of wine and like gulps it down <laughs> Legit cousin is just left like like WTF. Um, and it's just such a perfect moment and I may have gone back and watched the scene like a couple times when I first saw it because I was just blown away at like how perfectly acted and edited it was. Just like and it really made me like I don't know, it was just so like teen movie. It was like oh glorious. And so the other scene is like much later in the series where um, Wei Wuxian and Lan Wenqi, they've escaped some immediate danger, right? And they're resting in a boat in the middle of this beautiful lotus-filled lake. And it's nighttime. And Wei Wuxian tries to tease Lan Wenqi, like, you know, um, saying like, well, let's pluck and eat some lotus seeds, um, you know, because he's nostalgic for it. But Lan Wanji, like his first instinct still is still like not breaking the rules. Like he doesn't know who these lotus flowers belong to. He doesn't want to ruin a farmer's potential harvest. Like, you know, he's an upstanding member of society. And Wei Wuxian, like older and wiser now, is disappointed, but you know, he accepts the decision as the mature thing to do. But as he turns around to like, you know, oh well, um, you can see that like Lan Wanji, you know, 16 years older and wiser, breathe like he like says out his first thing and then he like rethinks and it's like oh <laughs> you know what maybe making my friend happy outweighs the strict letter of the law and he like reaches out to hand wait was she on a lotus pod and it's just like the sweetest moment and this is so small but like the emotion is laid on like really really heavy because you've come there's so much with these characters and like Lan Wanji and like not bringing the rules and then he like breaks the rules and it's just like chef kissing fingers emoji it's oh beautiful scene and there are just so many small moments like that in the untamed that just like give the series so much life um you know in between the mental breakdowns and acts of cruelty there's also the simple pleasure of making your friend smile and when your friend is played by um, Zhao Zan, like, you know, it's a pretty nice smile to be on the other end of. So anyway, if you're looking for something to keep you occupied while sheltering in place at home, there are worse things that you could do, then click on over to The Untamed on Netflix and join fangirls the world over in swooning over the epic romance of Wei Wuxian and Long Wanji. And, um... You know, if there are any, like, super fans out there that want to come on and uh, talk about it with me, you know, I'm sure we can work something out. So um, please feel free to get in touch. But um, before I sign off on this episode that got a lot <laughs> longer than I intended, um, I wanted to share that one of the things I found interesting as I was looking up um, X9 and Unique is that I found a lot of comments from fangirls doing the exact same thing as me um, for the same reasons. The Junbait factor, if you will. Falling in love with the idol actor in the series and following him back to his group. Um, and I don't think we'll see the same boost of popularity for either group as they're both, you know, like essentially defunct. 
but I did think it was interesting to see that cross-promotional potential play out. Um, Japan's idols make pretty good use of um, sort of that cross-promotional drama idol group. Um, you know, idols do the theme songs of the dramas. You know, it's um, a pretty nice deal for like both sides. But Korea, for whatever reason, um, there just aren't as many prominent idol actors. I mean, I could do a whole podcast series on like SMAP's dramas alone and like never run out of material. But like when it comes to Korea, I mean, Rain built his career on the back of idol dramas like Full House, um, you know, 10 plus years ago. And Exo's Dio uh, is another prominent idol actor, but I mean, the young generation they've got, we've got Seven's Jin Young and Astro's Chan Woo. Um, you know, and Got7 and Astro are both great groups, and I hope they do see a nice boost from fans Jin Young baited and Chan Woo baited. But for whatever reason, they both seem like the drama world and the export K pop world are just two very different like spheres. Um, and it does surprise me that more companies don't try to push and take advantage of this cross-media marketing opportunity these days. Um, I mean, even Big Bang, Big Bang's top was in, uh, <laughs> Big Bang's top was in, um, oh, Even Big Bang's top was in um, the drama Iris, which, you know, Big Bang did one of the songs for, and it was a, you know, pretty good song, and who knows how many people were top-baited into being Big Bang fans. Um, but yeah, for whatever reason, in recent years, it just hasn't been, hasn't been as much overlap. And that would, maybe that's another topic for another day. Um... I mean, it's a shame we've only seen BTS's Taehyung in one drama. I mean, come on. So anyway, I'll leave you today with the lovely duet sung by Zhao San and Wang Yibo that plays over the ending credits of The Untamed. And I hope that everybody listening um, stays safe and healthy during this difficult time. Um, I know it's kind of hard for everyone being apart from your loved ones if you're apart from your loved ones um, or, you know... Um, having to work under hard conditions. Um, I know it's stressful, so just everyone, please just be kind to each other. Um, if you have to get your aggression out, uh, <laughs> try not to do it on Twitter. Um, but, you know, hey, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we're all just human, so. Okay, I'll leave you here with this for now, and um, much love to everyone. Bye bye. <laughs>
همون